Hello, I'm Taylor. I'm Ryan. And this is Unbetween. So this conversation is called Shepherds and Stages because we're talking about leaders and followers because you can't have one without the other. And this was supposed to be one episode, but we just couldn't stop talking. And so it turned into two and we cut it down as much as we could. But in reality, we had a lot to say and a lot to think about and a lot, as you'll hear, to kind of work through on mic. It was one of those things where when we sat down, we didn't expect it to go all the places it went, but there was just a lot there. When we first start the episode, I do refer to a conversation I had with somebody off mic, but it was pertinent to what we wanted to talk about, and so we left it in. It gets real general real quick. So buckle in. The ride will be worth it, I promise. Here we go. Yeah, he um, he said it was uh, um, it's about the residents of Earth episode. Mm-hmm. He said it was a it was a good continuation to the citizens of heaven. And his remark, one of his remarks, was that there's a lot more. I feel like y'all could talk about there. And I said, well, yeah, that was that yeah. was kind of the point, honestly, for the citizens citizens of heaven episode was to kind of have a uh, launching point. Yeah, that's the interesting thing, because if we wanted to, we could probably connect every episode to that that kind of key thought process mm-hmm. um, of being being a citizen of heaven. Because if you've got that mindset, most things are going to fall fall into place. And, and really yeah. to have that mindset, it's follow Jesus, not all this other crap. Yes. You know, and, and that's course. said very simply and dumbly. But, but yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of the, the key key thing there if you're doing those things and then living toward that for that it's funny how many things don't matter here on earth yeah well and i've had the thought before and i don't know if this is original to me or not but religion is man complicating what god made simple mm. yeah no that's that's absolutely right <laughs> yeah and, and and a lot of it's because we want to make sense of it and there's some things you just can't make sense of, you know, yeah. I think, I think one of the, and I don't know where I heard it or, or, or who I was talking to when it was said, but I, I heard one time there, there's a certain level of mystery you have to be okay with in order to be a follower of Christ. Yeah. And so when you start trying to understand things that are that mystery, it's, it's going to be tough. Not that you shouldn't seek to understand. I think we should, but I think there's got to be that. That understanding of, though I'm seeking this and seeking God in it, you know, not just seeking some understanding or subject, but seeking God toward a way of understanding that subject, it may be that I never actually come to terms with what it is or land on it. Um, Doesn't mean you don't seek it. It means we don't get caught up in it in a way that distracts from what following God really is. Well, for us, a lot of the time, knowledge is control. In that we want mm. to know all we can so that we can um, exert control over things. Like to know something is to control it, I guess. And yeah. uh, there are some things ultimately that are just beyond our kin, as it were. And uh, as you say, we have to be okay with that. And it, it doesn't mean that we don't try and understand it or don't pursue it. But we have to leave room for the mystery of God and also for the wisdom of God because we... Yeah, as, as dearly beloved children, as we're often called in the Bible, um, that as we, we both have children and we know 
because we have more experience than they do the times which you don't need to know that right now. Mm -hmm. That is beyond what you're ready for. That is beyond what I want you to have to think about or mess with. It is not the right time for you to know that thing. And you have to trust me and you have to be okay with that. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think there's a little bit of a struggle there. And, you know, my wife and I deal with this a lot, but there's a certain amount of struggle in trying to make sure I don't come across as legalistic and, and kind of um, skirting around, you know, grace in, in the way I parent. But also there's a point where it's okay for you to, where we get to where you understand that, you know, mm-hmm. so there's constantly things that's, well, no, you can't do that. And, or no, we don't do this. And it's, my, my urge is to not say those things because I want to explain and I want to help my kids get to the point where their faith is their own and not what just I've told them because then we get into what, you know, a few episodes back we went through our series. Yeah. I think it's easier for those things to happen, but um, at this age, they're not going to understand that. So do I confuse the mess out of them or do I say, hey, no, you don't do that right now. You know, yeah. that's that's not what you need to be doing. Um, there's a point where they understand. So I don't tell them that their whole life, you know, I don't want to be 18 saying, Hey, you know, don't juggle knives. Like, (laughs) you know, there's a point before then where they have to start understanding and thinking. But, um, until that part, I think we have to be careful. I guess the way it looks for, um, for, for us older folks, (laughs) it is, uh, what do we do with hardship and suffering and sacrifice? Mm-hmm. Kind of what do we do with our headspace when we're in the midst of those things? And, yeah. um, you know, we've talked before, I, th- I think it was on our last episode that um, at least to a certain degree, I don't think God doesn't cause everything bad that happens, I don't think. But he also, uh, he also sometimes intervenes in ways that from our perspective seem bad or seem hard or harsh or what have mm-hmm. you. Removing his and, hand from us kind of a thing. Yeah. But I mean, that that happens a lot more often, but even sometimes yeah. he acts more directly and we would, we would perceive it as something bad happening. And, mm. um, in those moments, it, it's that thing of, can we trust that ultimately he's a good father and he knows when to discipline or when to remove access to the good thing that we like and enjoy or, or things like, well, why am I going through this right now? It's not because of anything that I did, is it? And a lot of times, like, no, it's just life under the sun, you know, where yeah. there's uh, a whole bunch of other humans making crappy choices, and there's your crappy choices, and those kind of accumulate. Then there's just the random, the chaotic randomness, and then there's spiritual evil at work who's actively trying to tear things down. And uh, some some of the time it's not like, well, it's not that there's an overarching pur- purpose in this other than I still want you to trust me, even if your life is falling apart. And it's the same kind of thing. It's just kind of uh, it's up a, f- a few notches up the ladder, I guess. Yeah. And, and I think that's important. You know, you, you mentioned seems like your life's falling apart. I think we've gotten to a point where we expect that it shouldn't be. Mm. And there's nothing biblical about the concept of our lives going a certain way. In fact, more often than not, you, know, you mentioned suffering earlier. More often than not, it's it, there is going to be suffering. This is what you're going to yeah. go through. So here's what we do. Not oh, if you you know happen to fall into some kind of a struggle in life, like no, no, that's pretty much guaranteed. Um, mm-hmm. We just don't like it, you know. Yeah. Yes. And who would? <laughs> right. And and I I think that's part of the problem. And I, and I I think we kind of jumped in without really exactly deciding where we're going. But I like it. I, I think. 
we, we kind of talked earlier about, I think, where we're going with this episode. And if not, we'll edit and cut and tailor it to go in a new direction. But I think a lot of what we say we, we might talk about is, is rooted in an, a not understanding really what the Bible says about certain things or knowing something, but then in your head, not really believing it or thinking on it. And one of the things we'd mentioned um, talking about for this episode was when, when a leader, when someone that we've put um, on a pedestal in some ways falls, how we handle that mm-hmm. and what happens. And, and I think, you know, it's kind of all the same thing. You've got someone that we know is a sinner, that we know is um, that there's no good in. Again, looking at what Scripture says, but is saved by grace. But we have put them to a certain level. Um, and, and for reason, you know, they're there to be beyond reproach and, and, and these things. But we've put them on a certain level that's even beyond beyond reproach, hmm. right? To where when they do fall, um, that rocks the foundations of our faith. And so yeah. I think that brings a lot of questions. One, I think we're putting people on a level we shouldn't. But two, what's the foundation of our faith if when they fall, which we know is going to happen, it causes our, our world to crumble? Yeah. Um, well, and Preston Sprinkle, who is a theologian that I highly recommend because he handles these kinds of things with a lot of care and grace amongst a whole bunch of other issues as well. Uh, one of the things that he's fond of saying is we need to be concerned with not with what the Bible says, but what it means. Mm. And which I think is a good way to frame the question, like that phrase even above reproach. What does that mean? When I think <laughs> of somebody above reproach, I don't think of somebody who is perfect. Because there was only one guy who was. Mm. What I do think about is somebody who has integrity, godly integrity. And when I think of that person, he or she is not going to be perfect. It's not that they aren't going to make mistakes or even mess up royally. It's how they handle themselves in those moments. How do they take Mm -hmm. correction? How do they handle repentance? How do they handle restoration? And how do they move past that mistake or that failing? And I think that's... That's a component of above reproach that we have to include. You know, do they truly humble themselves when they fall? And I think a lot of the time, at least in examples you and I have seen that kind of led to us wanting to talk about this, the answer is no. Like they, 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 I think what we're bothered by is when people prove not just to be not above reproach, in the sense that that I think generally people think of it, it was like, well, I guess they who, they weren't who they turned out to be. But <laughs> also then it's like, well, it's not just that they messed up, but this revealed depths to their character or lack thereof that I didn't know were there. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know that this, this turned out to be a different kind of person altogether than I had thought that they were. I, th- I think that's something we have to be a lot more aware of and where we put relationships. I mean... I use the example um, pretty frequently um, of my parents. You know, my parents divorced a number number of years ago, and and when that happened, you know, it, it took me kind of to this point of something. It, it made me view them in a different way. You know, more human. Mm-hmm. Um, not that I never, you know, saw them do anything wrong, but it was a. Um, these are people I know. I know their character. I know who they are. And trust them, and then this has happened, and and it kind of it rocked my world for a little while, you know. Yeah. Um, not to the point of of unbelief, but definitely to the 
the point of doubting some things I believed and, and especially when we say things, you know, in situations like, well, this, this isn't ever going to happen or I'm never going to do this, or this yeah. isn't an option. Divorce isn't an option. And then when it happens, um, you know, well, well now what, what about everything else I, I don't believe is going to happen? Yeah. And so I, I remember at that point kind of just looking there and saying, okay, you know what? I'm, I'm never going to say that's not an option because it obviously is. Mm-hmm. What do I do to make sure it's not one I'm, I'm willing to take? Yeah. There, but for the grace of God, go I. And mm. I don't think we actually believe that about ourselves most of the time or the people that we put on pedestals. I don't think we're allowed yeah. to, really. I think we're we both we have the expectation already and then we're trained uh, both kind of by the church or by Christianity and then also by the, the way that leaders often conduct themselves to expect God-like performance out of them. Mm-hmm. And that anybody who can't perform at that level isn't worthy of the position. Yeah. And, and I think I think even this is maybe a twofold conversation or maybe we get into it on this one or it's another episode. But you had mentioned to me even uh, you, you sent me a text from. Um, or a, a tweet from someone I, I respect highly and, and yeah. follow and it's been in you know, some things and and kind of something they had said about false teachings. And, um, you know, I guess that that maybe seemed harsh and it's okay is that the right way to handle it or or how do we do this and um you know so maybe that's something we get into a little bit too or maybe that's a part two um but i think that's even even part of it as well i think we have to know know how to view people know how to regard them and then i think there's this other side of it that is when they mess up how how do we handle it Um, because i think that's there's people who have moral failures and there's people who um, maybe theologically have um, some issues with their thinking that's sending people down a wrong path. And I don't think that's something we ignore. Um, but how do you, how do you treat that? You know, is it, yeah. do we fall into that cancel culture where we say, Oh, everything they say is, is out, um, which maybe it needs to be, but what's the best way to handle that? Because you don't want to send people toward that kind of teaching if it's false, but yeah. I think the thing is, I can think of examples of people in in churches I was in, or or just that I that I have known who I would say maybe fell off the leadership cart in one way or another, mm-hmm. or maybe didn't handle themselves well, or, or or what have you. And I can look back at that and say, okay, that that wasn't good what this person was doing, or that decision they made, or that mistake that they made, or that failing that they had that was a result of their own bad choices. I can acknowledge that, but Mm-hmm. I don't think that invalidates everything good that came out of what they were doing either, you know, um, because despite all that, I think God, I can still see God at work in those things. And there are things that those folks did that even if they weren't where they were supposed to be, even if they weren't handling themselves, how they were supposed to handle themselves, God was still at work anyway. And that's true of all of us at all times. And I think if we have to, um, if we have to throw out everything that those people did or said on the basis of their failings, then we're all in big trouble because we're in the same boat and we all have to be measured by that same yardstick. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we know that there's going to be stuff like that. Again, you know, we, we read through the Bible about that, you know, and you look Do at the people who, <laughs> who are, who are key, um, key in, in the message of Christ and the gospel moving and, you know, key parts of, of the message who um, did some horrible things, 
like so, some very horrible things you know we um that they would have trouble running for office if they were doing that in this day and time but <laughs> yeah. god still used them in in huge ways and so we see that uh and to the point of even false prophets we see that and what is what what's the scripture tell us it says to beware yeah. you know um it says to uh, beware and to disciple in a way where people are going to see that and so we have warnings and those warnings are given so we will heed that and beware when it happens and, and be on watch not so we can rid the world of it because we're, we're not going to mm-hmm. As long as there's profit to be made, there's going to be people to try and gain from it. Gosh, there's so many different ways we could go with this. Yeah. So, so there's kind of, there are, there's these two facets even of that. I, I think, you know, to me, I think it's worth starting with, um, with how we hold people to be on a pedestal. You know, I, I think we see a lot of that, e- even in recent news, you know, we saw, um, the Hillsong Carl Lentz, you know, and, yeah. and I don't know the whole deal there. I don't know if more articles have, have come out about what happened, but all we saw is I guess that he was asked to resign or was fired for, for moral failure. Um, and that's the term I see all the time is moral failure, you know, uh, which is fine. I don't, I don't think we have to know all the details of when, when people mess up. I'm, I'm yeah. glad not all my details are out there. Um, but then you start seeing all these things happen and come out and oh i can't believe this and then you've got others well i can you know he was doing this and (laughs) hanging out with these people and i think that's interesting i think to your point they're still good you can probably point to that that came out from it he seemed to have a um an in with some people that probably your normal pastor isn't going to be able to just go hang out with now is that part of what probably put him into a position to where he struggled with some stuff maybe so um I think kind of maybe any of us would in in certain positions. Um, but then, you know, another one that you and I have talked about, uh, or I've mentioned in the past is um, John Christ, you know, who yeah. was a comedian, was really big. And then I, I don't really even know what all went down there, but I know he stepped away. Um, and then I guess what, five, six months ago, maybe came out with this video basically saying he was getting help, um, appreciated people hanging with him. He messed up, kind of just laying it out there um, and is now back after a hiatus. Um, and so I think there's a number of examples I, that we see a lot in the music industry. There's quite a few that we've seen yeah. um, and not always even moral failures, but people just, you know, do something and uh, their fans, you know, b- believing fans write them off because of whatever it was. What we're talking about here is is platform, mm-hmm. because that is the variable that makes this more complicated. I think, because yeah. if if the people we're talking about are just business owners or accountants or 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 or, or I don't think we think of it in the same way. Mm-hmm. But because they stand on a stage, because they have followers, because they have clout or social influence, that's the dimension I think really we're talking about is whether or not they deserve to lose it and mm. whether or not they should have had it in the first place. That's, that's a big thing. And, and I, think, I think it's easy to say whether they should have had it in the first place from the standpoint of if they were the right person to have it. Um, I think one thing worth getting into is no matter who it is, they should not be the ones with that kind of influence over our lives. Um, yeah. shepherds, guiders, guiders, is that a word? Guidance, <laughs> um, you know, th- these things, sure. But you know, they should never be 
the primary thing driving how close we are to God. Yeah. I think it's tricky. So I, I, I communicate for a living. And e- even the things that, don't, that I don't get paid for, I'm still communicating. That is what I am best at if I'm good at anything, is effectively communicating things. Hopefully. My wife may disagree with that, <laughs> depending on the day. Depends what it is. Huh? Uh, yeah. And, I, you know, I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty good with people in that I'm comfortable around people generally. I can be myself and kind of navigate most situations. And I, it's important to me to set people at ease if I'm around them, not in a people-pleasing kind of way, hopefully, but just, you know, I want folks to be able to be themselves. And I kind of know how I need to act to, to make that happen. Now, there's a trap in that. In, in that being able to work any room that you walk into, that, that can go to your head if you're not careful. And you can begin to enjoy the fact that you can garner attention from any different, from different kinds of people. What you just said made, made me think, and, and don't let me make you lose your train of thought, but being able to go in and work a room looks a certain way. Yeah. Right. And, and you know, most of my career I've been in sales. And so there's kind of this aspect of, you get to know a person real quick. You see how they communicate, how you can reach them, you know, how you can kind of maintain some kind of a common ground. Um, that's easy to do in small groups, in small settings. You know, when you get in f- front of a big group and try and do that, there's going to be a lot of people who don't like you and think mm-hmm. poorly of you and have different views about what you're doing even. Well, kind of where I was going with that, and it ties into what you're saying, is that um, is we're talking about charisma. The ability to effectively communicate, to compel people, to get their attention, to get them to do stuff, you know, all those things kind of bundled together. And the problem is, is we have people responding to the method, charismatic person on a stage, rather than the message, which is the content, the truth of the scriptures, the wisdom of lived experience, the exhortation of other believers which are all the things that leadership is supposed to do, the guiding, the shepherding. Uh, we're more addicted to the charisma than we are to, to the content or to the uh, kind of the bedrock of, <laughs> of, of what's there. And so um, it's not that we don't care what they say at all or that um, there aren't examples of people who are doing a good job of balancing those things, but... Um, but the problem is charisma only gets you as far as you have fuel in that particular tank. And when you begin to dilute charisma, when, when a person is driving something on the force of their own personality and their own energies, there is a finite limit on that. And they will burn all the fuel in their tank eventually. And if that's what the whole thing is riding on, then anybody who's on that train is going to be in trouble when that fuel runs out or when the engineer decides to jump ship. Man, there's there's so many points there. Uh, that's also an issue. You know, you've got someone. You made the comment trying to convince you, persuade you. You know, and and, and that becomes an issue because there's also a lot of, of people in positions out there who are doing things a certain way to connect with with people. Mm-hmm. And I get reaching an audience, but there's a difference in reaching an audience. And then 
A pastor is supposed to be trying to connect his flock more to Jesus, not to themselves. Is probably yeah. the best way to say that. And and I think I see a lot of times uh, some of your more celebrity type, not that it's just them, but um, are very focused on looking and appearing and connecting in a certain way. And I think a lot of times that desire to do that ends up taking away from how they're reaching people to Christ. The question then then becomes, how are we measuring success? Because what the thing that you just described, the way you measure the success is how how many people are in the pews or how Mm. much money is in the bank or at what percentage rate are we growing or how many buildings do we have? Those are the only ways that that thing knows how to measure success because kingdom success, those words don't even really quite go together, but God's <laughs> kingdom advancing there you go. cannot be measured in those ways, really. Yeah. It takes somebody invested in somebody else's life who knows how to discern through the mind of Christ whether or not this, the fruit of the spirit is there. By these things, you will know them kind of thing. And how, how do you put that on a spreadsheet? Mm. How, do you quant- how do you quantify that with a number of followers on a social media platform? How do, you, yeah. uh, how do you sum that up in a SWOT analysis or in, you know what I mean? It's just, it is two fundamentally different things that you're after. Yeah. And sometimes the Venn diagram overlaps and sometimes it doesn't. Yeah, I heard um, someone the other day who who uh, involved in church planning movements across the world, um, spent time in the Middle East kind of doing that. And, and he had mentioned, you know, the way you measure successful church planning is that it's growing out across the world, not big as in, in one place. Mm-hmm. You know, he said, look at a family, a big family, as they grow, a lot of times end up spreading out across the country or an area and you see it grow in a bigger way than just oh these are the smiths from this area yeah you know that they've gone all over and and there's a wider impact and that's what a healthy church should do you know not build up in one place really great to be something big in one area we've seen that you know fail in the bible um you know it's about spreading and Mm -hmm. um yeah i think i think we're, we're looking at success in in wrong ways and I think if, if the desire is to grow bigger, to kind of bring it back, to grow bigger and to have more people and to have a wider span as you, you know, uh, on, on social media or whatever, um, some of those things are going to get to your head a little bit. And we're talking about these things. They seem a little bit broader, but because these are the things that leadership is expected to achieve in church. These are the things that a, quote, successful pastor or successful leader um, is supposed to produce in the churches or the Christian organizations that they're a part of. And I think, as we mentioned before, I, I think the majority of people that you find on staff in churches or in, you know, um, like Christian book organizations or cri- makers of Christian things, I think for the most part, you're going to find good folks there whose heart is in the right place, or at least who are trying honestly to do right yeah. by God and doing what he, what they think he wants them to do. 
And, you know, if that's what he's told them to do, it's none of my business. <laughs> you know, I can't say what somebody did and didn't hear from God and I won't try. All I can do is say, well, I don't know if this lines up with scripture or not. And I'm wondering about what fruit it's producing that I can do because we're all brothers and sisters here. And in theory, we should be able to do that with each other. But if you part of the platform or the pedestal that people are having handed to them and then perpetuating because they think that's what they're supposed to do is pursue all these things. And when you when you don't achieve that, we're done with you. Or when you don't achieve mm. that, you've let me down. Well, you're never going to be able like that's a goalpost that never sits in one place, those things, because you're never going to have a church big enough. You're never going to have a number of conversions to satisfy you. You're never going to have enough followers on those platforms. There's always going to be a younger, hipper, cooler teacher than you or a bigger, nicer church down the road with a better facility and better qualified staff. Like this, and the kingdom of God is not of this world and we don't chase that stuff the way that no. the world does. And when we make those things the focus... And we expect our leaders to deliver them. We're setting ourselves up for disappointment and we're setting them up to burn out at best and to fall all the way off that pedestal we've shoved them up on at worst. Yeah. By expecting something that, that they're not supposed to be, you yeah. know, or expecting more out of them than we should ever should. And yeah. And I think as I look at pastors and, and kind of relationships, one of the best things for them is probably also one of the worst things in some ways. I think a lot of pastors, because of that, and I think a lot of pastors and leaders in student ministry, things like that, feel like they're really not able to probably be as honest as they want to be. Oh, yeah. With congregations, because what will happen? Mm -hmm. And so I think you see a lot of them who probably don't develop the types of relationships they need, mm -hmm. um, not the types of relationships they want their congregation to build with people within the church. And then in the events they do become close with someone, it oftentimes burns them, I think. Mm. Yeah. Um, well, I think uh, there's a power dynamic there in that. I want to be gentle in how I say this. I think so many people have been infected, if I can use that word, with the CEO view of what a pastor should be. And the senior pastor is the CEO of the church, and he or she in some cases makes all the decisions and it's ultimately that person's vision, that person's charisma, that person's personality and desires that determines the way where the church is going. Whether you're talking about a well-known celebrity pastor or something that more on the local level. And I, I've seen it happen in every kind of different strata of different sizes and kinds of churches. I've also seen it not happen. And I've seen some people who are mm -hmm. profoundly disinterested in that. And they're just there to try to be faithful and to serve the Lord. But, um, as somebody who once had a staff position at a church, I can tell you that the lure to those things is real. Yeah. And the expectation that you will deliver on those things is real also. And, uh, th that to say, I think uh, both pastors and people who are in congregations, have those expectations of that, of that pastor. And so neither the pastor nor the congregation has an expectation that that pastor will have peers 
who he or she is not necessarily leading. They're not necessarily under them. They're not necessarily in charge of them, but who operate on the same level, who are, you know, not interested in, uh, in coddling them or looking to sharpen mm. them are looking to be friends with them and really pour into them. Now, I say, I say that, of course, there are exceptions to that rule. Of course, there are. We, we've seen that, too. But we're talking about this general thing that I think ultimately leads to a lot of burnout and a lot of isolation and a lot of falls and mistakes that could have been prevented. Yeah, healthy and, and biblical expectations can kind of prevent a whole lot of fallout if we're operating under that. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, and I think you're exactly right. And, I, you know, you kind of have to look and think there's probably a whole lot of situations that could be avoided if if pastors or individuals had someone at that level, mm-hmm. um, even trying to help them and hold them accountable and be there for them. Um, it's almost like your pastor needs a pastor, maybe, you know? Well, yeah, of course. <laughs> your mean, pastor is a human and mm-hmm. therefore needs a pastor. Yeah. That's the way it was designed. Yeah. And I think, you know, we, we talk a lot or we have talked a lot as we went through, uh, I guess, as we went through some of the deconstruction and, and um, entrenched and disengaged, we talked a lot about community. And I think that's, you know, it comes back to that. If that community's there, you have someone to help you through those things. But um, your pastor also needs that community. Yeah. Um, he, he's got to have it or, or else he's on this ship trying to guide it. and. Um, you know, you, you've got all sorts of people dealing with all sorts of things and thinking all sorts of ways, and he's trying to be a voice to all of them, and, and that's impossible. Mm, yeah, um, it is. It's not going to happen. And every week, a pastor says something that makes someone in a congregation angry. Mm-hmm. And if he doesn't, I, I would question if he's if he's maybe preaching how he should be. Yeah. You know, I, I think we should hear things that convicts us to the point that we're angry at times. But um, a pastor is going to say something biblical that can make people angry they may also say something non-biblical that will make people angry and (laughs) and you know um that's understandable in both cases but it's what do we do with that and i think if a pastor does not have someone or does not have a relationship where you can go talk to them if you're writing anonymous letters to your pastor you're not really helping them um you know and, and there's not really a relationship there I think an aspect of this that we haven't put into words this way is that I think whether or not we realize it, that a a lot of us in churches view ourselves as consumers. We pay money, Mm -hmm. tithes, authorings, whatever, to the church for them to Christianize us. And so it is that pastor's job to do Christian stuff to me. I have an expectation. We have an economic contract there. Yeah. And so like that that's a wall already. You're already not acting in good faith if you set the relationship up that way. And I've heard a lot of people no. put it into words, probably not even realizing that that's what they're saying. It's that thing that happens when and I I've heard people put this into words. Well, we're paying him to do s- such and such or we're that's that's why we hired that pastor so that he would do mm. da da da. da. Why aren't we seeing growth? Why aren't there more kids? Why, uh, why isn't the music better? What, whatever. It's, well, didn't we hire you to make that stuff happen? And already it's, oh, that's a problem. Yeah. You're, yeah. you're really going to have a hard time getting past that. Because ultimately, a, a pastor's job 
is to shepherd people. It's not mm-hmm. even that here's I want to throw this out here. OK, it's not even necessarily to preach or teach because those are uh, th- those are distinct in the scriptures when they mention lists of things that people in churches do. Uh, they're not exactly the same thing. And when we expect the pastor to be the preacher, the teacher, the counselor, the administrator, and, 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 of course, we're setting them up for failure. That, that's the other side of it, you know, and the Christian-y things you mentioned that, that are supposed to be done. I think, I think part of that's a lack of understanding of what it means to even follow Christ. Yeah. And, and again, there's another rabbit trail we can chase and I, I could easily go off on a soapbox i probably shouldn't there's so much here though there's so much there there is i mean and and yeah and and i feel like at times it's doing an injustice to cut it short to make sure we stay on a, a one specific point when when so many things are interconnected but i think there's a lot of things that, that there's a misunderstanding about yeah. um and it's easy to fall into even as you try to live a life following christ but um anybody can go to church on sundays that's, that, that does not make you a Christian, does not make you a follower of Christ, does not make you a believer. But I think we've got a lot of believers, Christians, who that's all they do. I think we have a lot of believers and rather fewer followers. Yes, that's a great way to point it. You know, a, a whole lot of Christians, um, you know, and, and I think we're kind of exiting the age in the world where it was cool to have the Jesus is my homeboy shirt. So that number is probably shrinking. But, you know, at one point it was cool in pop culture to even, even, you know, have Jesus as your homeboy. Um, But I think we're, we're out of that stage. There's probably fewer than there used to be, but there's a whole lot of Christians, way fewer believers and then way fewer followers of Mm. Christ. Um, And, you know, as, as you go through Romans and you're, reading that where there is sin, grace abounds more. You know, I, I think it's easy to say, oh, well, then people are taking advantage of that by just doing whatever they want and sinning and and grace is going to cover that. Well, it, I mean, okay, I get that. But I think there's also a whole lot of people who are believers, but not even following Christ. And I think it's, it's the thing in James. You, you believe in God? Good. Demons believe that. But they don't follow. And the way that, again, we, we, we keep looping in circles. There's a bunch of Venn diagrams, really, <laughs> overlapping each other. But uh, we're describing the climate in which leaders in the church have to operate, what their expectations are, and ultimately the ways in which they fall. And trying to kind of make sense of, so what should our response be? So given that... So Car- Carl Lentz, what should we do with him, do you think? Make him live in a van down by the river. <laughs> no, I, I don't. I mean, that's that's a good question. And, and I hate to use him when I don't know. It's tough to know without knowing the situation. And then I hate to say that because there's there's also the matter of, you know, if it's a sin problem, we have a sin problem. But, uh, you know, as much as cancel culture kind of gets under my skin and I, and I don't like it. Is there there's something that disqualifies someone from being able to be in a leadership position for a while? And, and I would say yes. And if I may interrupt, but we're not really talking about a leadership position. We're talking about whether or not he deserves a platform. And those are not the same thing. Oh, and that's even another conversation, man, because in, in this day and age, everybody has a platform and very few of us need it. 
man, I feel like I'm, I'm about to chase like 80 rabbits. There's That's even right. like a, a point where there's American, given rights as Americans versus given attitudes as a Christian. I think that's the best way I can say that, or as a follower of Christ. As an American, you have a right to say a whole lot of things, you know? Um, So regardless of your sin, there's a chance that in some form or fashion, you have a right to a platform. Now, should you have a platform for Christ under certain situations? Man, I don't know. That's something I could think, you know, about one day and come to one conclusion, then someone could probably bring something up and I would say, oh, okay. I mean, I think there are certain things without appropriate action and guidance would likely disqualify you from being, from maybe speaking on a matter. You know, I mentioned John Christ earlier, and again, I don't know the whole details, but he came out with a video admitting of some wrong things, saying he went and sought treatment or counseling, saying he was sorry, he repented. Um, I don't, I don't have a problem with the guy doing what he was doing, you know, and mm-hmm. and um, with what he does, you know, um, but he, he made the comment, and you know what he got paid to do, which was basically show the irony of hypocrisy within Christians was right there within him too, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, I don't know. I feel like from what I saw, there was true repentance. I, I can't be the judge of that necessarily um, as much as I may want to. I think there are situations that maybe do take away the right for someone to have a platform for a while. And I say right, I, I hate to use that word, but maybe they just shouldn't for a while is probably what I should say. I think of um, Mark Driscoll is an interesting example. That, that because, was in my head too. So. Because whatever you may think about the guy uh, and his theology and the way he, you know, the way that whole thing went down, it became clear that uh, he didn't seem to think he had anything he needed to work on. Mm-hmm. And that there was, as, and I didn't follow him closely, but there was no pause to reflect there was no sabbatical. There was no, I'm going to go take a break and think about this. He was just, he just bulldozed on from one thing yeah. to the next, basically, without drawing a breath. Yeah. And I feel like if the thing that you built, that you spent so many years of your life on, what do I know about anything? But that thing, which in so many ways carried your name and on the force of you, your person and your charisma and your personality implodes around you with some pretty serious allegations from people who once called you brother and were standing, you know, arm in arm with you. And would have done anything for you. Yeah. That, even if you still don't think you did anything wrong, that should give you pause. Mm -hmm. The fact that you have been either that you did the things that they're accusing you of or that you have been so misunderstood by so many people that you need, you need to stop and take stock of how you're putting yourself out there. One of those yeah. things needs to happen, seems like to me. And it just, uh, he didn't seem interested in any kind of pause to reflect from what I could tell. And I don't know the guy. I know what he's put out there in public. Yeah. Uh, but, it, but it just seemed like there wasn't any of that. It was, we're going to keep going. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I think that becomes problematic in the fact that you were... If you're trying to convey, share, preach the gospel, and the message is there's none of us are good, and we can't be, so thankfully there's God who uh, you know, is paying the price we all should pay 
and that's the only good in us. Don't, you know, bulldoze through, to use your words, when, you, when there's something like that. Even if you don't think it's as big a deal as maybe others are making it, use it as an opportunity to, to sh- share the grace in that, you know? Um, because it, it almost gives the appearance that you don't feel like you need grace. Yeah. Like you don't feel like you're capable of doing wrong. And I think we do allow people to get to levels where, man, they, they can get there. There's a certain level of power, a certain level of money. Um, I, I say this a lot. There's a certain level of money I do not need to make. <laughs> yeah. Because I think you start feeling invincible. It'll bring out the worst in you. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't know what that number is. I hope I never find out. Yeah. Um, but there's a certain number. If I got there, it, it would not be good. Um, mm-hmm. Same thing with power. I think there's yeah. a certain level of power that if people attain, it's not good for them. And I, I'm sorry, but if you've got pastors getting to that level, that's dangerous. We, we tend to pick the most obvious examples, but this happens on the small local level all the time. I mean, this can happen yeah. with five people, you know? It's when you begin to think more of yourself and what you can bring to the table and what your good qualities are mm-hmm. than what it is that God is wanting to do through you. And the fact that any good that you have is a result of his goodness passing through you, basically. Yeah. And um, like this is something that I've spent a lot of time thinking about this because it would be very easy for me on the one hand to... So I like I work in the communication world. So we, you know, marketing and advertising and video and all kinds of communication stuff. I know how to do it. I know how to turn myself into a brand. It would not be good for me to do that. (laughs) I I know keenly and I'd be good at it. I don't mean that immodestly. It's just that, you know, you do something long enough, you start to get okay at it. That's what, that's what we do for other people. um, The, the company I work for does. And I'm well aware that I could create and communicate an online persona that would resonate with certain kinds of people and that there are enough of those people that I could build a following out of it. Mm-hmm. I don't have anything to gain from that. Yeah. It's, it's making a name for yourself. Exactly. It, it's, yeah. it's, um, that sounds an awful lot like me increasing and Christ decreasing, which is not what we want. Or, I mean, in another way, even taking, taking the name of God in vain in some ways, you mm-hmm. know, using it for your own profit. And, and man, maybe we have to have like another season of, of topics around this because I think mega churches, <laughs> mega churches too, is another example, you know, yeah. um, and in a desire to make a name of a church great and, and get, you know, give all the reasons you want. So people know what to expect from this group. So people do, you know, whatever. It's much more about making a name of a group great as opposed to making Christ known in a community when you're doing something like that. And again, I don't think that for the most part, people do this intentionally right. or with any kind of ill intent. It's just, it's what they think they're supposed to do. Yeah. It's what they expect. It's the platform they think they're supposed to uh, aspire to. Yeah. And it makes sense. Numbers equal souls, as I've heard it put before. So the more mm. numbers we have, the more likely that they're going to hear something that is going to cause them to make a decision and then they'll join the church and then they'll get... I don't, want to, I don't want to answer all those objections because I think that that is a different conversation. But what I will say is that, again, ultimately, it leads you to shoot for things other than what, what is kingdom stuff at the bare minimum or the most essential bedrock kind of level. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's an easy question to answer. Who am I pointing to? Yeah. And if it's not Christ, don't do it. You know? I mean, it should be that simple within these kind of situations. Well, that's part one. And as you can probably tell, there's just a lot there. There's a lot to say, a lot to think about, a lot to work through. And we're not done yet. We will be back again next week with part two, where we flesh this stuff out a little more and throw some other ideas into the mix as well. Thank you so much for listening. If you would take just a minute and give us a review or a rating on whatever platform you're listening on, it actually helps quite a bit. And if this episode resonates with you and there's somebody in your life that you think would get something good out of it, text it to them, send it to them on Facebook, whatever. Thanks. Thanks.